the seats in front of you, encourage you to have it open as we have this reading and as Steve comes and speaks to us. David, thank you for the reading. This evening's reading is taken from John chapter 15, verses 1 to 17, and may be found on page 1083 of the Church Bible. So, John chapter 15, reading from verse 1. This is Jesus talking with his disciples. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you my friends for everything that I learned from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. pray. Lord, open 
my mouth to speak your word. Open our ears to hear it and our hearts to receive it. Amen. Amen. Well, we come um, to the last in the sermon series, which are based on the I am statements that Jesus made in John's gospel. And I decided it might be a bit mean to test us to see if we could remember them all. Um, I thought it might be just worthwhile to pick through them quickly and just remind us. Um, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And now finally, we come to John chapter 15, where Jesus says, I am the true vine. It's probably true that for those of us in this country, some of the images that Jesus has used to describe himself um, are much more familiar to us. We know what a light is. We know what a gate is. Um, probably we know what a shepherd is even. Um, we certainly know what bread is. But the vine is not quite so familiar. Um, a friend of mine, when I was in the Navy, um, was very pleased that he'd made his own wine. It didn't come from a vine. I'm not quite sure where it did come from. There were all kinds of compounds and so on uh, that went into producing this. And um, as we sat round the table with him um, and we sort of sipped this, um, not quite sure what to say, <laughs> and he said, well, isn't this marvellous? He said, uh, we're, we're drinking this wine and to think it was produced, what, not 30 yards from here. And one of my other friends, who was quite a wag, said, mm, yes, shame it doesn't travel. <laughs> it's not quite so familiar um, an image to us, the vine. We're probably more familiar with a, an image of the roots, the trunk, the branches of a tree. But one connection which comes through very clearly from this passage into those that we've looked at over the preceding weeks. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. You can see the theme coming through here. And the question becomes, how do we know this life and how do we grow in it? On the bookshelf at work, um, I've got a lot of books. I didn't buy them all. Other people did. Um, lots of articles as well about church growth. And it's a very significant issue for all churches in this country, um, not least for the Church of England. And there are whole treaties, there are whole papers being written on how does the church grow? How do we grow as Christians? How do we become fruitful 
as it says in this passage. How do we grow as individuals, as individual Christians? How do we grow as a Christian church here? And how do we grow in this country? Well, the first thing that it came out from David's prayer when he picked out from this passage is that we need to be in Christ. As it says of the lottery, you've got to be in it to win it. If you're not in, then you won't experience this life. It doesn't mean that you won't experience any life, but you won't experience this life. Because what it says in the passage is that this is not a mechanical attaching by garden twine to something that's growing. You could easily do that. It might be a worthwhile experiment just to see what happens. Not very much, I would suggest. It's not something that, that is mechanical. And it's not to do with proximity. The fact that one plant grows next to another doesn't make it the same plant. There's a lovely story that um, Archbishop Justin Welby tells at the time when he was uh, Bishop of Durham, which he was for a very short period of time. And he went to preach at one of the parish churches. And after he'd finished, uh, one of the stalwarts of the church came up to him and said, Yes, and that's all very well, Bishop, but there's something that you need to understand as well. He said, we're churchgoers here, not Christians. Well, the amusement of that, when I first heard it, gave way to something a little bit more troubling. At least there was somebody who clearly recognized that this vine was not something that they were part of. But that doesn't always happen, does it? We can come to church for years and years. We can recite the creed. We can read the word. We can join in the prayers. But the question is, are we part of this? Are we part of the vine? Is this where our life is coming from? And if we don't know that, how can we know it? It talks in this passage about remaining. And it's not a term I'm particularly fond of. Um, it says in some of the older versions, the King James, for example, abide. Apart from the fact that remain sounds a little bit like one of the EU um, uh, parties um, leading up to the uh, referendum in June. There's something about it to me that sounds a little bit static, whereas abide has a sense of living with, of living in, of being inhabited. And I'm sure that's the sense in which Jesus is speaking here. You mutually inhabit one another. What on earth does that mean? What on earth does that mean? Well... When two people marry, it says the two will become one flesh. And in the marriage service, you will say, um, for richer, for poorer, for better, for worse. 
sickness and in health as long as you both shall live. And you make a home together. You share together. You become one. You mutually inhabit. And there's that sense which perhaps is not as ready to us these days because um, we live in an era where people so easily live together without any real sense of the commitment that's talked about here and in some cases I guess with not much commitment but what Jesus is talking about is of that nature but much more fundamental and it's him abiding with us living with and in us and us living with and in God Now, in reading this passage and thinking about it and praying about it, I really wanted to know what is it, Lord, that you want to bring to us. So please excuse me if what I say seems quite simple and direct, particularly if you'd read through the passage previously and thought, I wonder what that particularly tricky verse means. Well, that's excellent because we'll have a sermon on it now and I'll find the answer. Um, You may or you may not, um, but I wanted to bring to you what I felt God had put on my heart. You see, our minds and our hearts say, honestly, this doesn't work. Can I be really frank? It says, where is this growth? Where is this growth in the church? Where is this growth in me? What's happening? And quite often, it's because we will say, not even consciously, certainly not to anybody else, it's my sin. My sin is too big. Or my sin is too deep-rooted. Something in my past, broken relationship, something where I've been damaged or somebody has damaged me, some broken promise, something which if anybody else were to discover, we would feel deeply ashamed and feel that it would fracture our lives. Or we say, my circumstances are too difficult. They're too complicated. This is fine for those who have come from a good background or work in an easy job or easy environment or don't have the family pressures and difficult relationships that I have or have better health than me physically or mentally. Well, Jesus continually brings us back in this passage to say what he does, and we follow his example. Because Jesus talks about himself abiding in, living in, being inhabited by, 
and inhabiting the Father. And says in the same way, we should do that with him. So how do we do that? Well, firstly, Jesus knew God's love. At the most basic and fundamental level, he knew and experienced and lived in the love of God. And if you look at the temptations of Jesus and the devil tries to knock him off balance in three particular ways and in one he says these stones turn them into bread in other words you are what you can do if you're useful if you make yourself useful that's where your identity that's where your value lies in what you can do and Jesus rebuffed him. And in another temptation, the devil says to him, come, throw yourself down from the temple, and angels will come, they'll bear you up, and everyone will say, wow, how fantastic. In other words, you are what people say about you. That's where you draw your identity from that people will speak and think well of you. And Jesus rebuffed him. And the third time the devil took him onto the highest point of the temple and said, all of this I will give you if you only fall down and worship me. In other words, you are what you have. Whether it be gifts or talents or material possessions or wisdom, spiritual gifts, and Jesus again rebuffed him. But what we lose in that passage is the fact that it comes immediately after, because there's a chapter division. You can find it in, in Mark um, chapter 4. What we lose is the fact that that comes immediately after Jesus' baptism, where the Spirit descends on Jesus and God says, Thou art my beloved Son. With thee I am well pleased. So he drew his identity from the fact that he was loved by God. And that meant that it didn't matter what he could do or not do, nor does it matter for you and I. It didn't matter what other people thought about him or said about him, because he knew at the most fundamental level the love of God. And it didn't matter what gifts or talents or material possessions or influence he had because his identity didn't come from those. It came from the love of God. And that's what God is saying to us. God loves you. God loves me. Not because we deserve it. God loves us not because we are good but because he is good. So don't let the devil tell you that anything that you have said or done or been or anything that you find within yourself can keep you back from being loved by God. God loves us not because we are good, 
because he is good. And that's what it means to be in Christ. It means to know that we are loved by God and to respond to that love. That's what Jesus is talking about. The love that he knew with the Father and that we can experience through him. He has opened the way. Do you find there's something in you that fights against this? I do. We don't like to admit our complete and utter dependence on God. Sister Wendy Beckett, um, some of you may remember her. Um, she did a lovely series on um, art history on the TV, very quirky, most amusing. If you don't know who she is, I'm trying to think how to describe without being rude, but if you Google Sister Wendy Beckett, she's the nun with the teeth. And if you look at the images, you'll see exactly what I mean. Um, but she said something rather startling. She said this, she said, one of the holiest men I ever met said this. He said, do you know, Wendy, there's a part of me that wants no part of him. And that's a very difficult thing to recognize. St. Paul recognized it, talked about it in Romans, Romans chapter 7. You can find it there. This battle that goes on within us. Thank God it's not down to us. There's a lovely um, vicar in the Salisbury Diocese who, um, he said, one of the, the loveliest things somebody gave me and he said, I keep it in my study in front of me. I've had it printed out. And it simply says this, you are not the Messiah. What a great relief. What a great relief. It's not down to us. It's sheerly by the grace of God. And that's what comes out of being part of the vine. We don't grow by our effort we don't grow by straining every sinew. We don't become any taller, Jesus says, by thinking about it. But the growth happens naturally as we give ourselves to the love of God and as we obey his word. And obedience is a challenge, isn't it? Have you ever found yourself challenged by God and running from the room with your fingers in your ears going la 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 I have and thankfully it talks about the father as the gardener pruning taking out that which is sapping the energy that which is holding us back from being fruitful from growing in God. And God comes and puts it before us. No matter what it is, he lays it before us. And no matter how much we turn away, he loves us too much not to keep coming back and coming back until eventually love wins the day. There's something about 
the word of God that is so powerful. This is why Jesus talks about it. That the act of speaking the word of God accomplishes things. God spoke and said, let there be light. And there was light. Jesus said, take up your bed and walk. And he took up his bed, the paralytic, and walked. He said, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus came out. The word of God, when we receive it, when we hear it, when we respond to it, it's not by us gearing up our efforts. We can't pull ourselves up by our own shoelaces. How many times have I prayed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I? From Psalm, Psalm 62, I think. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Lead me. Because, I don't know about you, if somebody gives me directions, by the time I've gone across the third roundabout and through the second set of traffic lights, and was it right at the next one or was it left? Did you go across the roundabout or not? I can't remember now. Lord, lead me. God will lead you. This is what is happening when you're part of the vine. God is leading you to the rock. Something that is solid. Something that will stop you sinking in the quicksand. That will drag you down. Only Christ can do that. The rock that is higher than I. We cannot pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. What is happening is as we are inhabited by God, as we experience his love and give ourselves to him, as he speaks into our lives and puts his finger on one thing after another after another, it's not down to us to do it. We simply need to put ourselves into a situation where we can hear his word. We read it. We pray, we come together in fellowship. If God is saying something to you tonight, if there's something that is preventing you from growing, that God has asked for your obedience, will you come to him and obey him? So are we in Christ? Have we recognized and accepted that God loves us and that that sweeps away anything else that would define us and limit us and constrain us in terms of who we are and what we can be? We're not limited by what we have or what people think about us or what we can do. Is this love undeserved? Yes. Is it available to all of us without exception? Yes. Growing in Christ, being fruitful in Christ. Is God speaking into our lives? And are we obeying what He has said? our part to accept his love 
to let him live in us and for us to live in him and to obey his word. It's God's work then to transform us. It's God's work to give us new life. And it's God's work to make us grow and to become fruitful. Let's pray. Lord, help us to receive this life by receiving your love, making our home with you and you with us. Make us fruitful as we respond to your love, share it with others, and obey your word. Steve, thanks very much for those words. Uh, we're going to spend some time in response after having sung. Sam's going to lead us in a song of response in just a moment. And then uh, after a time of response, uh, we're going to move towards Holy Communion. But just for this time, as we sing, I want us to just meditate on those things that Steve has said, and then we'll pray. I invite you to stand as we sing. Now remain in my love. Father God, hearing that message and your words, we pray that you'd help us to remain in your love. Help us to know it. Lord, it may be that there are things that stop us knowing your love. Things that have happened to us, things we're not sure about. We pray in this place, help us, despite those things, to know your love for us. We ask afresh by the Spirit of God that you'd pour out that love in our hearts. And maybe you just want to ask Lord, the Lord Jesus to make his love for you real in your heart tonight. Lord Jesus, I know that you love me with my head, but I pray that I'd know it in my heart. That you love me. That you've never stopped loving me and that you always will. By the power of your spirit, help me when I'm uncertain. Clarify my thoughts and my emotions and help me to trust in your abiding love. Amen. And can I encourage you, if you'd like to pray further into that uh, prayer ministry team will be available in the corner of church after communion. Do go and ask for some more prayer or prayers for any other need. We're going to move now to a time of communion, sharing the Lord's table, which is an act really of abiding in Christ. And so it's my great joy to say to you, the peace of the Lord be always with you. And let's share with one another a sign of God's peace.
Well, we, as always, welcome to the Lord's Table all those who know and love the Lord Jesus Christ. If it's your habit to take communion in another church and you're here visiting, you're very welcome to join us here at the Lord's Table. All the words, hopefully, will appear on the screen behind me. The Lord is here. His Spirit is with us. Lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give thanks and praise. It is right to praise you, Father, Lord of all creation. In your love you made us for yourself. When we turned away, you did not reject us, but came to meet us in your Son. You embraced us as your children and welcomed us to sit and eat with you. In Christ you shared our life that we might live in him and he in us. He opened his arms of love upon the cross and made for all the perfect sacrifice for sin. On the night that he was betrayed at supper with his friends, he took bread and gave thanks to you. He broke it and gave it to them saying, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Father, we do this in remembrance of him. His body is the bread of life. At the end of supper, taking the cup of wine, he gave you thanks and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. Father, we do this in remembrance of him. His blood is shed for all. As we proclaim his death and celebrate his rising in glory, send your Holy Spirit, that this bread and this wine may be to us the body and blood of your dear Son. As we eat and drink these holy gifts, make us one in Christ our risen Lord. With your whole church throughout the world, we offer you this sacrifice of praise and lift our voice to join the eternal song of heaven. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Can I invite you to have a seat as we continue by praying together the prayer our Saviour taught us. And so we pray together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. We break this bread to share in the body of Christ. Though we are many, we are one body, because we all share in one bread. And we pray together the prayer of humble access. We do not presume to come to this your table, merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness. We won't because it's not up on the screen. 
don't want anyone to feel left out. Well, can I invite you to draw near with faith. Receive the body of our Lord Jesus Christ which he gave for you. His blood which he shed for you. Eat and drink in remembrance that he died for you. And feed on him in your hearts by faith. With thanksgiving. Amen. The way we're going to do this is I'm going to ask the band to come up first to receive communion from myself and Emily. And then when you feel ready, and not all at once, but when you feel ready as they play in the background, having spent some time meditating on what God has been saying to you this evening, come forward and receive communion from myself and Emily, who we stood just there. remain upon you now and always. Amen. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. In the name of Christ. Amen.